This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning comic book store, Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. And listeners like you, head to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click donate or check us out at Patreon backslash TwoHeadedNerd. Our story this week picks up... Broadcasting from the Ziggurat in Omaha, in caverns deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to episode 689 of the Two-Headed Nerd comic book podcast. I can't do no math, but we might have a 700th episode coming up. Like, what is that, two years from now? Or later on Yeah, you can't do that math. (laughs) I'm your head, number one. My name is Matt Baum, and the entirety of North America got snow this week, but somehow... Nebraska swapped weather with London? What is happening? Yeah, it's a real it's a real nice London fog situation we got going on here. I'm the Internet's Joe Patrick, your head number two, and there goes our excuse to skip Avatar 2, Matt. Gah, it's just like jury duty. We can't come up with anything, so we have to go, right? <laughs> that latest Avatar commercial where, like, the characters are coming out of the letterbox. It looks so bad. It looks so bad. I can't well, believe you decided listen, to do that. <laughs> I'm not... I'm not making any claims. I haven't seen it. I didn't like the first Avatar movie, but this movie is getting legitimately good reviews. Uh-huh. The last one did too, Joe. I don't think that it did. No, it actually did. In this episode, we're back to reviewing new comics from the last two Wednesdays. And after that, we'll tell you listeners about our must-read new comic picks that you need to pick up next week. Finally, we'll give you a sneak peek of our Patreon, THN Extra, where Matt and I crack the cosmic short box. It's a thing now. You'll hear about it later. <laughs> I love it. To revisit the original Batman and Spawn crossovers in celebration (laughs) of this week's brand new Batman Spawn. More on that in a minute when we kick the show off with our extended review time in the ziggurat. For those just tuning in, we moved from reviewing eight new comics to 12 new comics because we're now... The giant-sized two-headed nerd. Our powers continue to uh, evolve, right? Secondary mutation, all that. Like business. a Pokemon. Yeah. Well, I would say more like a badly written X Man. We'll you're like a. You're not. You're like. You're like whatever comes after the Snorlax. Uh, I'm more like that time when Beast turned from like the bouncing blue beast to the weird sexy cat beast. So like. Uh, sexy, huh? Yeah. And you're like okay. a, you're like when Angel started healing people with blood. I got I got Gross. healing blood. Everybody knows that. <laughs> Sick. We will start with last week. Joe Patrick, lead us off. New Comic Wednesday, December seventh. My first review is of Know Your Station number one from Boom Studios. It's three ninety nine. It's written by Sarah Gailey with art by Liana Kangas. Here's your solicit. The wealthiest people in the solar system abandoned the Earth for a private sanctuary in space leaving the rest of us to die amidst cataclysmic climate change. That tracks. That sounds very believable, actually. (laughs) I'm I'm surprised that they're even still here. But the 1% won't be safe for long. A murderer is on the loose, specifically targeting the super rich. Good. Soon, at least, an employee of the billionaire's space station is wrapped up in a deadly investigation with each issue featuring a new, diabolically different kill. Ooh. Uh, The rest of this stuff is about the creators. They take a stab at the ultra wealthy, their dreams of escaping the very planet they've put in peril and the consequences of a future that might not be so far away. Oh, you know what? They're not super well known. So I'll say it. Uh, Sarah Gailey, the writer who you know from Eat the Rich and rising star Liana Kangas, who uh, has delivered some excellent work on True Cult or as Matt calls it, Travu Cavolt. That's how they spelled it. It's not my fault. No, your station gave me similar vibes to that Martian outpost mystery that Matt reviewed a couple weeks ago. I don't remember the name of it. This isn't a space Western, but it shares similar themes with a whodunit out in the void, far from the comforting embrace of Mother Earth. At least being a company liaison and specifically not a cop or even a real security chief (laughs) thrown into the middle of this mystery is an interesting twist. And the sassy AI assistant is fun. The art by Liana Kangas is okay, but there are several scenes where the storytelling just doesn't work, and a couple where I couldn't tell what was happening at all. There's a scene towards the end of the issue, and Matt, you'll know it when I'm talking about it, where I, these- I already um, know where you're going. I already know where you're going. The, the chords come down. Yeah. And yeah. I, like, I, I don't understand what was going on. 
Know Your Station, the number one, offers a solid murder mystery in a well-established world, but some issues with the art took me out of the story a bit. I'm giving this a strong skim it. Yeah, I really like this writing, actually. I thought it was very smartly written, and there's something like creepy going on with the drugs that the robots are giving the security guard woman and everybody is rich and everybody's super polite and nobody wants to cause a problem but you know like it, you can see where yeah. this is going and it's a lot of fun it's clue in space the space western you were thinking of was fear of a red planet we just talked about fear of a red planet yeah yes, which you. is great this is a way different this is more like clue in space but a couple of similar themes is what i was no no definitely where you have like the one person who represents the law basically but here instead of a bunch of like miners and like people punching like it's all very polite shithead rich people (laughs) so it's clever but i agree the art you know and i and i hate i hate doing this because i'm not an artist but man i mean that's what reviews are that's what i know i know i know and i'm not saying that like the art is bad I do think this artist got a little ahead of their skis in some posi- in some parts, like you ahead mentioned of their skis. Where you talked about like the wires coming yeah. down, and I I had to like kind of really crank my head around and go, uh, and maybe don't do it. You know, maybe know where you're. Yeah, stay in your wheelhouse. And the rest of well, this, and, that, and that's you know, and that is part of the, and that's kind of a breakdown of the combin of the uh, communication between writer and artist because yes. Sarah Gailey wrote that right without knowing that the artist couldn't really execute or also looked at it and said, yeah, I think we're good here and that's fine. You know, whatever, like it just didn't work the whole time. A lot of it looked fine for this type of story. I'm not going to say great. I'll say fine. I'm going to give this a skim as well. Let's stay in space, but switch over to space Hitler. I want to talk about Thanos death notes. Number one. I mean, is he really Hitler? He doesn't hate races. He just wants to kill races. I mean, I guess he's a genocidal maniac. He you wants know? to kill all races equally. This sounds like you're a Thanos sympathizer, you know? I mean, I mean, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I'd be proud of that. He made some really good points is all I'm saying. This is from Marvel. It's $4.99. I'm going to stop you before you get canceled. This is written by Torin Gronbeck, Kyle Starks, J. Michael Straczynski, and Christopher Cantwell. Sounds like an exciting lineup, right? With art by Jeffrey Shaw, Ron Lim, Travel Foreman, and Andrea DeVito. Also an exciting lineup. I should be excited. Here is your solicit. Spinning out of Donnie Cates and Nick Klein's Thor comes an all-new Thanos one-shot. Featuring art by all those people I just named. As well as Ron Lim's return to the Mad Titan. Thanos is missing. Presumed dead. But Thor has seen a vision of his return. And it's enough to make even a god fear. To prepare himself. To prepare the universe. Thor desperately searches for answers in Thanos' past and finds a glimpse of the Marvel Universe's dark future. This four-part Thanos anthology fills in some blanks in the Mad Titan's past, but mainly serves to set up guest writer Torin Gronbeck's story that started in Thor 29, which also came out last week. DeVito is on art of the leadoff story, which is really good, but it sort of strangely sees Thor rifling through Thanos's file cabinets. I thought it was hilarious <laughs> that Thanos had file he cabinets has, like, full of paper documents. Files. Yeah, actual like file yeah. folders. What I mean, I with, guess like he they had little labels on them, so I imagined Thanos with his little label maker, like doing tick 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 tick. Right, you know, like the Thanos is like there. I didn't know Thanos and my dad had this in common. Yeah, right? he's like, oh shit, I gotta run, <laughs> to, I gotta run to Office Max and get some more label. I, I literally just made fun of my dad's filing cabinets not too long ago. Whatever, I get it. Even a Titan needs to be organized, Joe. So. Cantwell and Foreman have a short filler story after that that gets a little too metaphysical while examining that time Tony took care of a Thanos robot. JMS probably had the most interesting story with excellent art by Jeff Shaw looking at Thanos' younger days and a mistake that would set him on his path. The last story by Kyle Stark seems kind of like a waste of Stark's talent to me, but whatever. Maybe there was something here for longtime Thanos fans that I didn't pick up on. But for as many impressive names that worked on this, I cannot say I was overly impressed. In fact, found myself a little bored. I'm giving this a skim it. Yeah, you know, I read this. I read this last week before we ever even made picks for this episode. I was just like, oh, what is this? And I'm not up on Thor. I haven't read 
Johnny Cates as Thor since like we reviewed issue number it's one. It's still great. It's still great, I'm, but this I'm, is a I'm, side no story yes, yes. that they're doing I, with Torin Gronbeck as the guest. Writer. I get it. Yeah, Johnny Cates is off, you know, Something. taking care of things. and We don't know. And Something weird that happened, though. <laughs> we, we don't need to talk about <laughs> yeah. it. He's off doing what he needs, what he's got to do, and he's taking a break. So, I mean, you can read this without knowing that. It's fine. And I was like, oh, this is kind of an interesting, like, Thanos greatest hits kind of thing. And I would like if you had told me that these were all reprints, like it was the framing story by, yeah. by De- DeVito and, and Tornbeck and then all reprints, ob- except for obviously like the Cantwell one, which takes place right after Thanos's first appearance in, in Iron Man 55. I don't think and none of this was reprints, Joe. This is all new I know, stuff. But I read it and I was like, this is weird. This feel it felt like oh, no, one okay. of those specials that they put out. Gotcha. I see where you're going. Where it's like. We're doing a big thing. Let's yeah. put out a special about the villain. And it's yeah. going to be three pages of original story and 20 pages of the reprints. Right. And that's what it felt like. Not that it was bad. It was just like, what? Why? Yeah. Why is this? I mean, I guess um, they're in a they're in a position and let's we don't have to get personal, but they're in a position where Donnie Cates is not writing Thor suddenly. So maybe this is a way to be like not like a placeholder make, or yeah, a, a, a placeholder, way to mark time or to make it look like we planned this. Here's your setup. Go, you know, like fine. Maybe. I mean, we, I mean, I don't want to speculate, but right. like you said, it's, it's not our business and it's certainly not the business of this yeah. program. And we but, hope everyone involved is fine. <laughs> like, okay, we'll just throw let's, that out. <laughs> again, let's just stop talking about that part of it, but I love the guy. <laughs> uh, it's just, this was just weird. It was an odd one shot. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't dislike it, but I also, I, I never, like, if I had never read it, I don't feel like anything would have been missed. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's a skim it, really. Let's take it back down to earth, at least for the next five minutes <laughs> before we rocket back into space. We spend a lot of time in space. We do. It's only a teenage wasteland. Number one is up next. It's from Dark Horse Comics. It's three ninety nine. It's written by Kurt Pyers with art by Jacoby Salcedo. And here's your solicit. When his parents go out of town for the weekend, Mexican-American high schooler Javi decides to throw a party, one that'll launch him and his buds into popularity or at least get them noticed by some girls. But when things take a turn for the worse, Javi and his friends are thrust into a situation and future they could have never possibly prepared for. Dark Horse is saying that this is for fans of The Nice House on the Lake, which I have not read. And what's the furthest place from here, which I have read. Oh, I love or, uh, that book is fantastic. Yes. Or other comics with really long titles and cool high concepts. <laughs> I wasn't sure what to expect from this issue, but writer Kurt Pyers definitely subverted what expectations I did have. At first glance, I thought we were getting a post-apocalyptic story like the aforementioned what's the furthest place from here. Then I thought it was just going to be a down-to-earth look at typical high school shenanigans. I definitely wasn't prepared for where the story ended up. Pyers does an excellent job establishing a diverse cast of fully realized characters that you already want to root for after just one issue. Jacoby Salcedo does an awesome job on the art here. His sketchy, emotive style really works for this tale of teenage misadventures, and his layouts are really great. He's got some excellent panel stuff going on. It's only a teenage wasteland number one, takes the typical high school coming of age story, and turns it on its head completely. I'm definitely on board for more giving this a buy it. Yeah, this was, I had no idea what this was when I went into it and I was kind of the same place. It had kind of an Evan Dorkin art feel to me, like even with his layouts. Yeah, 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 for sure. Which is fine. If you're going to be inspired by someone, Evan Dorkin's a great person to be inspired by. And and I'll tell you what, like I, I read the name, right. And I rolled my eyes and I was like, how precious. Yeah. You know, and what the the name aside it doesn't matter like i just was really sucked into this story great great character stuff by these guys yeah it goes to a really wild place that i did not see coming and i'm fighting because i'm afraid to say anything don't say i know i know i know but it's like one of those things where it's like the title the cover the first maybe half of the book 
it, while well-written, may not be doing anyone any favors if they just pick it up and go, nah, not for me. And then you get to, like, I liked it, but then you get to the part where I go, whoa, that's what we're doing? <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's you know. It, and I um, get that you can't give that away in the solicit, and we're not going to give it away in this show either. I, I want to make a comparison. I want to make a comparison to a a series by Brian K. Vaughn, but I'm not going to say which one. I don't it would think be I might even spoiler. bleep you saying Brian K. Vaughn because yeah, I, I think, think you probably should. Yeah. Bleep that. <laughs> and myself too. come to think. of yeah. it. <laughs> no, this was great and really unexpected. And I, and I feel like this is really hard to market. It just is because of the nature of the story. This is going to be a hard comic to market. And I bet a lot of people pass up on it and they shouldn't. It's fantastic. It's a buy. Yep. Loved it. I mean, and it's Dark Horse four issue mini. Like it's already, you know, mostly solicited. Whatever happens, it's going to be one and done. Yeah. And you know, it's not. I doubt it's the kind of story that we're going to revisit. Well, so, and we got all worried about Dark Horse. They 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 lost Buffy. They lost Predator. They lost Alien. All that stuff. And Dark Horse yeah, has they done, have Bendis now. Uh, <laughs> yep, Dark Horse has done a really nice job sort of finding these quirky creators that are doing books like this, that are different. Like this is not typical image stuff anymore. Even this is weird, quirky stuff. And they're doing a great job at it. They really yep. are. 100%. I hope they're making money. <laughs> Back into outer space with all against all. Number one, it's from image. I just mentioned them. It's three ninety nine. This is written by Alex Packnadel with art by Casper Wingard. Here's your solicit. Writer Alex Packnadel, DC versus Vampires, All Out War, Giga. Artist Casper Wingard, Homesick Pilots, <laughs> which is all in caps. The other stuff was not. And letterer Hassan Asmaniyahu. We've there's no way we've ever said his name right on this show. We apologize. Never ever. You're very good at your job, sir. Present a primal vision of humanity gone terribly wrong in All Against All. It's the distant future. Earth is long gone, but a race of alien conquerors known as the Operators have preserved its most savage animals in an artificial jungle environment they barely understand. With no bodies of their own, the Operators move from world to world, harvesting bodies for their organic exosuits they use to wage their endless wars. Ignored and underestimated by his captors is the habitat's sole human specimen. Helpless. However... When their efforts to find and harvest an apex predator intensify, he gives them far more than they bargained for. If you've been looking for a comic featuring a polar bear battling a gorilla with a pink and purple color palette and amazing almost silk-screened artifacts, this is the comic you've been waiting for. And that's just the first few panels. Packnadel and Wingard weave a tale of alien science taking lesser life forms completely for granted in a desperate attempt to survive or perhaps just wage war. We don't even know if they're good at what they do, but we do know that these aliens think they're so smart that they're just getting life as we know it on the planet Earth completely wrong. <laughs> I loved Wingard's previous work on homesick pilots, but he has taken his style to new insane heights here. And it looks like we're going to get a very violent Tarzan in space story when all is said and done. Packnadel almost lost me at first with the very fast paced, weird sci-fi story, but he deftly weaves everything together when a central character arrives and lays out how this alien race got to this point and they're, body swapping war all against all is a visual triumph but maybe a little too heavy on the sci-fi for casual star wars fans but if you're not afraid of high concept sci-fi like dune or anything humanoids puts out you're gonna feel right at home i loved this i am giving it a buy it there were panels in here that i could not stop staring at the art is tremendous yeah, yeah, I agree. I I really enjoyed this. The art is is Casper Wingard is he's a, wacky a very dude. special talent that yeah. I think is on his way to becoming the sort of artist that we'll be talking about for years to come. Yeah, this is a phenomenal first issue, beautifully drawn. It's a buy it for me. The colors alone are spectacular. The story is wild <laughs> it's really the story wild. is pretty wild like it's as true, crazy as the true. art is pack script is just as nuts but it completely works i think that guy's brilliant i think he's a great writer 
I agree. Not just saying that because he follows us and I know he listens to this show, but if he wants to make out, I totally will. <laughs> what has science done? The hot new Spider-Man event of 2022 starts now with Dark Web number one from Marvel. It's $4.99. It's hot and it's dark and it's webby. Web. It's webbed up. <laughs> It's written by Zeb Wells with art by Adam Kubert. Here's your solicit. Dusk. Okay. The two most famous clones ever are back to take what's theirs. Ben Riley and Madeline Pryor have had enough and are reigniting the inferno. Spider-Man and the X-Men are not ready for what's coming. And what role does Venom have in all of this? The sun is setting. Dusk is approaching and it's going to be a long night. Dark Web is basically Inferno 2 and Marvel isn't trying to hide it. Like they keep referencing Inferno in the story oh, yeah. over and over and over. Yeah, the news but reports are like, you might be too young to remember, but mailboxes tried to eat people in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> but that's not necessarily a bad thing as writer Zeb Wells does add in a lot of great character work centered mostly on Spider-Man and his cast with a dash of the X-Men thrown in for flavor. The villain's motivations are clearly established, and it's hard not to feel at least a little sorry for poor Ben Riley and his terrible outfit. <sighs> There's also a fun twist with Venom that made me giggle like a little kid. And at first, I had to read this issue, and then I read uh, this week's Amazing Spider-Man tie-in, where they explained what happened with Venom. And I was like, wait, what? And then I had to go back and read this issue again, and I was like, Oh, I get it. I see it now. Okay, maybe I'll feel better when I do that then. But and it's it's hilarious. <laughs> okay, uh, I, I will tell you about it when we're done with this. Adam Kubert seems like he's doing something a little different with his art here. It, it's grittier and it's looser, and it works really well for a story about hell. Okay, limbo infecting New York City. Look, Dark Web probably isn't going to win any awards. Let me back up. Dark Web is definitely not going to win any awards. <laughs> but based on what I've seen in this first issue, we should be in for a fun ride for a few months. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm giving this a buy it. OK, I like what they're doing with Norman Osborn as sort of like he's a good guy, but he's still tortured and he's obviously crazy. I do not give a crap about this Gold Goblin BS. I don't care. I don't like what they're doing with Ben Riley. I think putting Ben Riley and Madeline Pryor together sort of pangs of that time that Black Panther married Storm because they're both black, you know, like they're both clones. Why shouldn't they get together? Eh, it, it This feels kind of forced to me. I don't need to revisit Inferno. I liked when Zeb Wells started his run on Amazing Spidey, but I don't love where it's gone. I This looks good. Kubert's great. He, he does a great job in art and he's a little looser here. I don't have a problem with that. I, I even found it hard to believe in the pages of New Mutants when Madeline Pryor was like, hey, Magic, you're pretty busy. You should let me be in charge of Limbo. And she was like, yeah, good idea. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> right? I'm like, here we are. <laughs> you know, I, just a lot of this feels kind of forced to me. I'm going to give it a skim it. I don't hate it. Maybe it's going to get better. But I am also not in love with this yet. It is fine at best. I had to, I had to warm up to it, but I am having fun with it and you know that's that was good enough for me well i'm glad we're done talking about spider-man because i want to talk about spider-man specifically miles morales spider-man <laughs> number one this is from marvel comics it's 499 it's written by cody ziglar with art by federico vicentini here is your solicit Spider-Man faces the strongest super-powered foes and most dangerous gauntlets the multiverse can throw his way. And every time Miles Morales falls, he rises again, dash, stronger than before. Until like Doomsday. <laughs> sort of. Well, no. <laughs> Not quite uh, like that, no. <laughs> with protruding boners yeah, and everything. No, no. Until now, there are some punches you don't get up from, Joe. And a new villain isn't pulling a single one as they threaten everyone and everything Miles and Joe loves. Between school, home, his love life, and battling supercharged and upgraded villains, night and day, dash, Miles is reaching his breaking point. And when the new foe is finished, Spider-Man's world will be changed forever. Guest starring Matt Gargan, a.k.a. The Scorpion. You know him. You love him. Don't miss the next Marvel masterpiece from Cody Ziegler, who worked on Amazing Spider-Man 
Spider-Punk, and artist Federico Vicentini, who worked on Amazing Spider-Man, Wolverine! Exclamation point! <laughs> I admit, I have not kept up with Miles' adventures for a while now, but I didn't feel lost at all here. Ziggler does a really nice job bringing the reader up to speed, using Miles' journal entries as a refresher. The book moves very fast, and Vicentini's art is perfect for this kind of kinetic spider action. I'm not sure I love his scorpion, though, with a tail that kind of looks like it connects between his shoulder blades. I do love his miles. And the colors by Brian Valenza make the web detailing on his suit just look awesome in close-ups. Ziggler's story seems to be a chance for Miles to catch his breath, even though he's fighting the scorpion for half the book. This is a nice way to bring Miles back to New York after his romp through the Spideyverse, and he's still very much his own character with his own voice. We will see what happens with this new villain, but for now, I'm giving this a buy it. It's refreshing. Hey. It's fun. I agree. I thought this was I thought this was fun. It's, you know, it's kinetic, it's very youthful. And it's all the things that you, you know, want a Miles comic to be. He's right. still got problems. I I like the journal thing, but it is grossly irresponsible for a character to be writing down all this stuff about being Spider-Man in a journal. And it has actually been a plot point in the book before. So as, as much as I like it, in theory, I can't help but think it's just like you're just you're one bad day away from somebody finding that thing. He's a kid, but Joe. What do you want from him? Come on. I get it. I get it. Good I mean, book. that's, you know, it's a, it's not really a complaint. It's just a yeah. silly thought. But I like this a lot. I'm giving this a buy it as well. I love the Scorpion. I, the Scorpion's one of my favorite Spider-Man villains. New Comic Book Wednesday, December 14th. Let's dig into the big event of this week. It's Dark Crisis, the Big Bang one shot, or maybe it's just Big Bang, and maybe it's not. I think it's just Big know, Bang. The, maybe it's not the Big Bang, you know, no, just big old bang. It's from DC. It's three ninety nine. It's written by Mark Wade with art by Dan Jerkins. Here's your solicit. After the monumental events of Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths, number four, Pariah has successfully resurrected the Infinite Multiverse, and all of reality is still reeling from the event. Join Dr. Multiverse on a haunting journey through these newly reformed realities from the Jurassic League to DC Mech, from Dark Knights of Steel to Batman 89 and back again in a guest star lore, all new epic by comics legend and DC architect Mark Wade. Well, I like that they're calling him the DC architect. I like that. This isn't what I thought it was going to be at all. No. Instead of an exhaustive cataloging of DC's new multiverse, Wade and Jurgens deliver a narrative story that mostly involves Barry Allen punching the anti-monitor real hard over and over. <laughs> the story itself is inconsequential nonsense, but it's fine, I guess. Going off of the solicit, it seems like the plot went through some changes. Dr. Multiverse is not involved in this. Jurgens' art is what it is. There's some good-looking stuff here. There's also a lot of dodgy-looking stuff here. We do get a nice catalog of 100 or so Earths, which was no easy task, I'm sure, so kudos to wait for that. Dark Crisis Big Bang might be of interest to big continuity guys like me, but it doesn't really add much to the main event. I'm giving it a skim it. Hi, my name is Matt Baum, and I am not a big DC continuity guy, and I... Could barely follow this at all. <laughs> okay. I mean, what's to follow? You're you're kind of in the same boat as there everybody. There is you're nothing right. here. This is like borderline nonsense, to be perfectly honest. And I remember like not too long ago, Mark Wade like threw out a plea and he was like, hey, everybody, I need your help cataloging all the DC Earths. This is what it was obviously for. So he could have the Flash yeah. Punching the anti-monitor through the old West world and the Jurassic League world and whatnot. Like, look. Yeah, he needed to quantify him or to yeah. This is everything I don't care about with the DC multiverse, basically. Like this this nonsense. And I'm having fun with Dark Crisis. I think Dark Crisis is very good. This does nothing for me whatsoever. And like you said, Dan Jurgens. Guy's a legend. I'm not going to take anything away from him. Glad he's still working. He's still working at a very high level. I'll say that. Not all this looks great. I did not care about this. I'm giving this a leave it. <laughs> I don't care. I mean, it's fine. I get it. I, <laughs> like, it, I really thought it was going to be more of like a handbook. Kind I kind of thought like it was a, too. Like a, 
And like it would spell but, some stuff out. There is nothing here for a casual reader. Nothing. No, no, I agree. Deep within a bleak and dismal swamp, hidden beneath its murky waters, lies the headquarters of the most sinister villains of all time. Ladies and gentlemen, we've moved on to the time travel portion of the show, so hold on to your butts. A vicious circle, number one, from Boom Studios. It's $9.99, but it's a big, thick guy, so. This is written by Madison Tomlin with art by Lee Bermejo. Here's your solicit. Director, screenwriter, one of the visionaries behind the Batman and Project Power creator, Madison Tomlin, teams up with iconic artist Lee Bermejo, who worked on Batman, Damned, and Joker. Here's your solicit. Sean Thacker is a trained assassin from the future who seeks revenge on the only other man with his affliction. Each life they take forces them both to travel between vastly different past and future eras, spanning from the 22nd century Tokyo to the 1950s New Orleans, the Cretaceous era, and beyond. The two mortal rivals are locked in a battle of wills that spans millions of years, all to alter the course of history. With each time period, artist Liebermejo adjusts his artistic style to pay homage to luminary comics artists and historical master painters presented in a prestige, oversized format. I should mention this is one of three. I forgot to mention that, sorry. It is hard to even start a review for a book like this. If you thought the solicit sounded crazy, it doesn't even scratch the surface of what you get here. Tomlinson's story starts just slow enough for the reader to get comfortable and then hold the f on. One act of violence leads to the main character jumping to different times, each one amazingly illustrated by Bermejo. His past is black and white, photorealistic. His future is glowing neon cyberpunk urban nightmare. We get a short look at soft painted old West. This is Bermejo showing off and it is nothing short of breathtaking. There's a paneling trick he does with a heart monitor becomes the actual panel lines that blew me away. Tomlinson's script is perfectly cinematic. His villain is terrifying. It's equal parts Terminator and Highlander. And I could not love this more. I am giving this an absolute buy it. This will be a movie. You watch for this to be a movie. I don't know how you could star in it, but it's right here. It's too good. I love it. Darren Aronofsky yes, needs it, to direct this and make it terrifying. <laughs> you know, uh, Wachowski kind of thing. This book is really something that you need to sit down and absorb yeah. and, and just like drink it in because there's so much going on. There's a, it, and most of it is in the art. I'm not taking anything away from the story. The story is great. But the way Bermejo, when they talk about him shifting his art style, like I was not prepared. No for what would happen you know we talked about this with um jh williams the third uh when we reviewed the sandman overture years ago right and again with his new book yeah even more so with echo lands where jh williams the third goes from these lushly painted uh, landscapes or or portraits to sketchy almost like woodcut looking right like and sometimes within the same page yeah he's one of those jerks that can do anything he wants right and and like he's doing it in, in the same page and bermejo does that here and it's just incredible to look at i don't know that i've ever seen lee bermejo actually draw something as opposed to painting you know what i mean yeah and he definitely like we get to see pencils in this he's doing some yeah, pencil work there's a time when the time shifts as as the solicit mentions he switches to this, like, again, still, like, very beautifully rendered. But, like, Will Eisner-esque. It almost looks like it's traditional, like, pencil and ink art. Yeah. Which I don't know that I've ever seen him do. Right. I didn't know and he could do I, it. <laughs> it's it, incredible. Like, I, I wasn't prepared for it. I was just like, oh, man, it, like, took my breath away. This is a huge buy it. it this is a great book. Yeah. Fantastic. This is, like, tour de force. If you like Lee Bermejo, he's going, look what else I can do. And it's just, goddamn, the guy's amazingly talented. All the green team fans in the audience rejoice because we're talking about Danger Street number one from DC Black Label. It's $4.99. It's written by Tom King with art by Jorge Fornes. Here's your solicit. Joining the Justice League is a goal for any superhero, but what happens when a quest for membership takes a sinister turn? 
Join Starman, Metamorpho, and Warlord as they look to prove themselves worthy by summoning and defeating Darkseid in battle. Good luck. Soon they'll learn that calling upon a new god never ends well and their world is headed for a crisis as a result. The journey to save the day will be a treacherous one filled with princesses, knights, and all kinds of monsters. Each person the heroes encounter plays a crucial role in this sprawling yet gripping narrative that is a little bit silly, a whole lot dark, and completely cool. Expect the unexpected with a supporting cast featuring Manhunter, Lady Cop, the Green Team, and the Creeper. Inspired by the heroes and villains of First Issue Special, Tom King and Rorschach's Jorge Fornes return for an unforgettable maxi-series that reimagines the characters and their stories. A multi-character, multi-layered crime drama starring some of DC's most obscure creations. No one will see it coming, but everyone will want to see where it goes. I feel like they kind of had to spell out so much in this solicit because after you read this, if you didn't read the solicit first, you'd be like, what the hell did I just read? Oh, yeah. And even, and even if you read the solicit, I still like while I read this, I was like, I have no idea who that is. I don't know who that is. <laughs> like, I assume that's a thing. <laughs> and that's just it is that most people don't know who these characters yeah, are. And that's right. fine. Tom King is at it again, taking an obscure character or a dozen obscure characters in this case and putting a completely new spin on them. This is an interesting issue to review because we don't get any sense of what the story is actually about, but that's obviously by design. King manages to introduce a very large cast and establish a cohesive world for a bunch of characters that were never meant to coexist in a tale narrated in fairy tale fashion by the helmet of Dr. Fate. I have to admit my curiosity is definitely piqued. The art by Jorge Fornes is absolutely stunning, which doesn't come as a surprise. The pages featuring the creeper in action are especially gorgeous and terrifying. Creeper scary. Yeah. Danger Street number one is a bizarre book with a bizarre cast and a beautifully illustrated bizarre story that I don't understand at all. Yet, I can't wait for the next issue. I'm giving this a buy it. Yeah, I'm, I'm starting to realize that the further that Tom King gets away from Batman, the more I like what Tom King is doing, right? And this is just a perfect way to play with these characters. And I get it. It's black label may or may not count. Who cares? It doesn't count. And it doesn't matter. I never thought I would love to see the warlord in street clothes, having breakfast with Starman, <laughs> you know? yeah. And it's just great. Absolutely great. And the way that he writes the characters too, it's still very much believable. You know, metamorpho shows up. He has something. It's very, very powerful. He left it in his car. Right? You know, and the warlord's like, you left it in the car. Right? It's just great. And he has a way of humanizing characters like this. Like even Lady Cop, who does not want to be called Lady Cop for reasons that should be obvious. Right. She's right? just a policewoman. Yeah, yeah. This is really good. And Fornes is so solid. He's a guy that reminds me of like someone like Dale Eaglesham. Well, I where I will never have a complaint about his art. He does his thing, and it's always great, and I love it. I'm giving this a huge buy. Jupiter's Legacy may be canceled, but don't fret, Netflix. Mark Miller is back with Nightclub number one from Image. It's $1.99. It's written by Mark Miller with art by Juan and Ramirez. Here's your solicit. This series will be $1.99. Take that, Marvel and DC. You're 17 <laughs> years old, and you've been bitten by a vampire. Do you live in the shadows and drink human blood? Or do you use your newfound gifts for the dream costume superhero life you've always wanted? You're bulletproof. You can crawl up walls and you can turn to mist, bats, or even a wolf. Why not have a little fun? Like I mentioned, Mark Miller is back. This time it's an updated vampire story that kind of hits all the beats of a classic vampire story. But this one follows a teen that wants to get internet famous. So they may have changed this uh, solicit a little bit too. I don't know. It's a clever enough premise, I guess, but this reads very quick and the premise was really all there was. I feel like he kind of puts himself a little more into certain books like The Magic Order and King of Spies, which are very well written and a lot of fun. And then he has other comics like this that kind of come off as a plot that was written on a bar napkin like teen vampire gets yeah, famous on yeah, YouTube. They're con, they're con, they're elevator pitch only. Right. Exactly. By the end, I didn't know much about the main character other than he was in high school and wanted to be a YouTube star. He isn't unlikable, but also the story doesn't take any time to introduce anyone. He's a kid 
has an accident, bitten by a vamp, becomes a vamp, end. Ramirez's art is solid. There's a couple pages with some weird faces, but he's got a great sense of action. There just wasn't much here but a premise and some flashy art. I'm giving this a skim it. I guess I like the costume, but there's nothing that really bit me, if you will. <laughs> no! Hey-oh! God, yeah, I hate puns. You know, I'm sorry I agree. I let me let me start with the art. I agree. Juan and Ramirez is very solid in terms of you know action and and oh, yeah. and storytelling and that sort of thing. Why does every character look dirty? I don't know. Every character looks like they're covered in dirt, and every dirt and every character has an O face. Like they're like, oh, oh yeah, it's weird. It, it's <laughs> yeah. it, it's so much. Like it's so it's off putting to me. Yeah. Like I find it distracting. The story is what it is. It, it's like you say, it's all concept and no, yeah. like it's all sizzle and no steak or all hat and no cattle or whatever folksy term you want to use to describe it. All hat and no cattle. All hat and no cattle, partner. Oh, like you're a fake cowboy. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Right. Gotcha. And, <laughs> and so you don't really, you don't really get invested in this first issue and you know, whatever. I, I thought it was an interesting idea. Again, like. So this kid's getting the, I don't even want to talk about it because it's a spoiler, but like the motivations of the main character, uh, the main characters, I guess I should say it's the main, the kid, like, you know what the kid's all about. He wants to, he wants to be internet famous. He's a stupid kid. Sure. And that does not change when he becomes an immortal creature of the night. Right. But the vampire that turns him has an agenda and it is so. It's like it's like a LaCroix, right? Where they say it's like we waved a strawberry over this open vat of LaCroix right, and right. then we called it strawberry. Yeah, it's, like, it's glossed over. It's at it's best. it's barely glossed over. But that also and, makes you know this is the major story that's going to bite the character yeah. in the butt like I get it. Great. You know, I'm going to I'm going to give it a skim it as well. But you know what? Hey, uh, can't a dollar ninety nine can't beat that. Can't argue so. that. I like that. That's the thing yeah. with Mark Miller that almost pisses me off. It's like there's times when I'd be like, Mark, you're barely trying here and I can see it. But he's also like, I don't care if I make any money on it. Let's get it out there and get it in people's hands. Like, well, that's kind of punk rock and cool. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, he makes all his money on the back end. So right. whatever. Matt, let's review a comic written by a guy that's got to work for a living. He doesn't have Netflix money. He's got to charge $4.99 for his comic. I'm talking about Mr. Jerry Duggan. Po-po, Jerry Duggan. (laughs) We're talking about Invincible Iron Man number one from Marvel. It's $4.99, as I said, written by Jerry Duggan. As I said, the art is by Juan Frigari, and that is very difficult to say. You just want to say Figari, but it's Frigari insight into my thought process. Yeah, I don't think it's that hard. You just listen. <laughs> it all ends. Tony Stark, the genius billionaire playboy philanthropist has lost it all, his wealth, his fame, his friends. But Stark doesn't realize he still has so much more to lose, especially when the assassins start to come for him. It's the beginning of the end as the Golden Avenger must fight for his life and find out what it really means to hit rock bottom. Join Jerry Duggan who is currently tearing it up on X-Men and Juan Fragari, who you may have seen drawing the Avengers at some point in the past. I don't know when, as they take Iron Man to the darkest corners of the Marvel universe yet. Tony's new creative team does a great job recapping the character's history and the events of the previous volume while also setting up a compelling brand new story. This isn't the first time we've seen Tony down and out, but there's something fresh about the approach as we learn that the person gunning for Tony might actually be smarter than he is. For Gary's art is fantastic, handling both emotional character work and high-tech superhero action. We even get a callback to the 1980s Tony and Rhodey with oh, the yeah. Jerry curl and the <laughs> high top fade, and it is awesome. Invincible Iron Man is the rare relaunch that strikes a perfect balance between continuing past story elements and providing a fresh new starting point. Given this, a buy it. It was great. I really liked it. I did think the recap portion was a little long. It, I, it goes on for oh, an amount of time, pages. but it's also an extra, extra length issue. I, and I get it. And that's fine. And it's only $4.99. They could have charged $6.99 for it. So whatever. It was a little long is all I'm saying. I didn't need all that background. They could have just brought me up to speed to where Tony is now. Fine. 
That said, this is an interesting story, but at the same time, I find myself going, well, isn't something similar happening to like Black Panther and Spider-Man and Reed Richards, <laughs> you know, like yeah, yeah. everybody kind of screwed up recently and the, and the public's like, no, we screw you. We don't trust you anymore. Like there's a lot of this going on right now. That is not the fault of this book. I like very much how Duggan is writing Tony though. He's definitely got a hold on the character and I could hear, you know, Robert Downey Jr. The entire time saying these lines and stuff. Yeah. And there was some clever stuff that happened that really like took me aback in the story. We're like, Oh, somebody's really trying to mess with this dude. So it's clever. I'm going to give it a buy it. I just think there is a lot of this going on in the Marvel universe. Yeah. You know, I didn't think about that, but you're right. There's a lot of sameness in the Marvel universe right now. And Batman just went broke recently too. Just uh, you know, <laughs> these things are cyclical. Yeah, it's right? true. It's true. I declare bankruptcy. Let's finish up with the one you've all been waiting for. Batman Spawn 2022. The comic book of the year, Joe. Let's just give it all the golden Beppos right now. It's from DC Image. Uh, It's $6.99. It's written by Todd McFarlane with art by Greg Capullo. Here is your solicit. Two dark heroes cursed by tragedy find their paths again crossing, but not by choice. What sinister foe was at work? pitting the Dark Knight against the Hellspawn. From the shadows of Gotham City to New York City, this epic event is the blockbuster you've been waiting almost two decades for. Okay. Wait a minute. So. Two, two decades. Two decades. It's been like 20 years since they've done one of these. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Okay, but Batman... Batman's Spawn came out almost 30 years ago. Well, they can't do the math. Give them a break. Now, okay, okay, I have a theory on this, and we'll talk about it in a minute here. I guess, and as we'll, as we'll find out real soon here, the other Batman Spawn stuff is not in canon because these characters do not know each other, <laughs> and they should by now. More on, yeah. more on that you know later. What? We'll talk about that, the, we'll talk about yeah. that later. Yeah. More on that later. It's nice to know some things never change, though, and McFarlane is still writing in his completely over-the-top, desperately trying to be evil and clever style. Here, his story, which I guess is an interdimensional tale that might take place during the DC New 52 relaunch. In fact, if you told me that they wrote this and drew it back then and it never came out for some kind of rights reasons until now, I would 100% believe you. I don't think that that's the case. Joe, the Court of Isles is here. Joker's face is cut off. I mean, off. the Court of Owls is in a DC book that I just read. I understand like that. But there's also, still a thing. The Joker's face is cut off and he's wearing Well, there's it, that. Just like in the new 52, Joe. Yeah, right. It's yeah, all here for some reason. I get it. I get it. Maybe it's just because Capullo last drew bats back then. I don't know. His artist. Maybe gr- we're not supposed to think too hard about it. Maybe we're not. But Todd McFarlane demands we think too hard about it with some things that he puts in the script that he didn't need to, I would add, okay? Capullo's art is great. He draws like he was trained by McFarlane, but also picked up a lot of drawing skill that McFarlane arguably does not have. This was basically a 90s antihero meets a 90s antihero story that McFarlane tried to dress up by bending the plot backwards to not only fit his whole Spawn universe, where there also may be a Superman, but no Batman, into the DC New 52 of all places, but also change the very origin of Batman. Slow the f*** down there, Todd, okay? I don't get it. I got really bored while slogging through it, and I don't need to read any more of this. I am giving this a leave it. Joe, this was stupid. <laughs> okay. Uh, it was so st- Todd McFarlane goes out of his way to make Spawn mention that in his dimension, they killed Superman. But somehow Spawn doesn't know Batman. <laughs> I blocked that out. I don't know. What is that happening? Not to mention the fact we never see Spawn travel through dimensions. He just goes to Gotham 
did Spawn take a wrong turn and hit like an interdimensional interstate to Gotham? I don't know. We don't see it. <laughs> so, and there's also, there's also like this idea that there are these dead zones, right? Where Spawn's magic powers don't work. So that's a thing in the Spawn comics, right? Oh, is there, is it? That's a thing. Okay. But well, that's it's fine. also I a guess. thing at Arkham Asylum, apparently, you know, like, okay. <laughs> All right, Todd, whatever you say, man. Oh yeah, here it is right here. They mentioned Superman mm -hmm. and the one he says the one you call Man of Steel in my future he doesn't survive they killed him first. Right. What the what? So there's a Superman in that universe I, but no okay. Batman? It, I don't want to spend any more time wondering about uh, about making I don't want to I don't want to waste any more effort trying to make the story make sense. It doesn't make any sense. No. There's a there's a, there is the 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 Court of Owls is after like a single pearl from Batman's mom neck mom's necklace because it's a portal to the another universe or some dumb shit. I don't I don't fucking know, Matt. It doesn't make any it sense. It makes no sense. This comic book. Let me tell you. Let me tell you, Matt. The disappointment I felt. The the way my heart sank when I opened up this comic and I saw written by Todd McFarlane, because I swear <laughs> to God, I thought it was going to be written by Scott Snyder. I thought it was going to be written by Scott Snyder and it was written by Todd McFarlane. And I just like, I let out this audible groan. Yeah. Like, like, all the dude has to do. You want to do a Batman spawn team up? Just do it. Just do it. They team up. They do a thing. They fight. We're going to talk about two more where they do just that. They're just like, yes. here they are. And Todd McFarlane's like, no, that's not enough for Todd McFarlane. And, <laughs> like, and there's like no the reason. The, the violator or the clown or whatever he's called when he doesn't look like a monster is, is here in the background. And the way they end it makes it seem like there's going to be more of this shit. And the last thing I think anybody in this world needs is a part two of this bullshit. Joe, are you forgetting the part where the weird little violator clowns all crawl out to the faceless Joker? And they're like, no, 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 no I'm not. <laughs> I, don't, I, I have not forgotten. But uh, the, the cliffhanger is the violator like cackling my cackling. It's like <laughs> everything's working according to plan. I'm <laughs> telling you, they wrote this during the new 52 and this was supposed to be some type of mini series event and they went we only did one issue who cares let's just put it out now for whatever reason i promise <laughs> you that i would bet you a hundred thousand dollars that is what happened. <laughs> don't don't, <laughs> right. don't make don't make bets that you can't back up uh this is terrible it's terrible it's beautifully drawn shit yeah but even a gold-plated turd is still a turd. Yeah. It's a leave it. It's just, it's like legitimately garbage. Awful. Yeah. It's awful. Yeah, this is terrible. Check out the links for more info on all of these comics in our show notes if you want to know more. But now it's time to pick the king of the pile. <sighs> Matt. I'm disqualifying Batman Spawn as an option. <laughs> God which damn it, Joe. These, it already won the Beppos. <laughs> which one of these other 11 comics is entering the THN private collection? Uh, it's a vicious circle. That that The book just leveled me. I, I, yeah, blew my socks right I off. I could not it, believe what they did in that. But they all against all, really, really close second. Really close. They were two super high concept sci-fi books that were beautifully drawn. But Libra Mayho is a legend. That book's intense. It's just, you got to see it. I mean, I, I am a big fan of the Dingbats of Danger Street. But I know I, that's I, true. I, I, I do have to give it to. I do have to give it to a vicious circle. I agree. It was really something special. Welcome to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where we retire after review time to study the black arts, and today we'll be trying an incantation that should open accounts on all of Twitter's competitors and notify our followers with a cute Baby Yoda gif, too. Joe, while I prepare and gather the infernal ingredients, why don't you tell these nerds about our must-read pick for next week? I mean, I'm almost free at Twitter. I don't know if I want to We'll be for tooting on Mastodon in no time. <laughs> tooting? <laughs> That's what they called it. Until sure they were like, oh, in America, sure toot means do. something else, just so you know. <laughs> yeah. My pick for next week, it's got to be Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths, number seven from DC. It's five ninety nine. It's written by Joshua Williamson, with art by Daniel Sampier. Here's your solicit. 
the great darkness is defeated, but the final war has only just begun between the remaining heroes and Deathstroke's dark army. Who will be left standing? The Justice League and the Infinite Earths have returned, but at what cost? Do not miss the shocking conclusion that launches the DCU into 2023! So, Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths, we talk about it a lot on the show. It's been a lot of fun. It's been great, except for the tie-ins that have been terrible. A lot of the tie-ins are bad, but that's every They're event, so, so let's not bad. have something no. special. It's almost like the tie-ins like, weren't told what was going on in the main story. You know, It's weird. I will, I will say this, the, uh, the tie-in that had Linda, Linda and Iris in it, that was pretty good. That was a good tie-in. I did not read that one, I don't. But regardless, uh, Dark Crisis is setting up big things for the dawn of the DCU, and that starts next week. Uh, my boy Nightwing is front and center, and I'm very excited about that. that. Nightwing 99 also comes out next week. The new DCU so, is going to come out of his butt, from what I've heard. I'm so. expecting I'm expecting him to, he's going to toot it just like he's on yeah, Mastodon. He's going to toot the new DCU all over the place. He's going to put him in the stirrups, and he's going to give birth to a bouncing baby new DCU. <laughs> it's going to be disgusting. Boy, buckle up. It'd be like passing a kidney stone. Ugh. Yikes. My pick for next. No, that that would come out of your weenus, Joe. Babies come from butts. Everybody okay, knows that. Okay, well, we can okay. have a talk about that when the show's over. <laughs> My pick for we next have week a long talk. goes to Dead Seas from IDW. It's written by Kavan Scott with art by Nick Brokenshire. And here's your solicit. Ghosts are real and dangerous, but they're also valuable. They're ectoplasm capable of curing countless diseases. There's only one problem. Harvesting the wonder drug can be just as deadly. Prisoner Gus Ortiz is willing to take the risk in return for a reduced sentence, anything to see his daughter again. All it will take is a few months at sea scraping ectoplasm off the walls of the perdition, a floating prison containing the most vicious ghosts on earth. Surrounded by dark waters, Gus soon realizes that angry spirits are the least of his worries. The Poseidon adventure meets the haunting of Hill House in this supernatural thriller. This sounds like so much fun. I love Kavan Scott. I'm glad that he's getting a chance to write some of his own stuff. The art by Nick Brokenshire looks super stylish and cool. We talked earlier about Mark Millar's book being all premise. This premise is fantastic, but I trust a guy like Kavan Scott to deliver on some characterization too. Pick this one up. The THN trade for next week, December 21st, is Catwoman Lonely City. It's a hardcover from DC Comics. It's $29.99. It's written and drawn by Cliff Chang. Here's your solicit. Ten years ago, the massacre known as Fool's Night claimed the lives of Batman, the Joker, Nightwing, and Commissioner Gordon, and sent Selina Kyle, the Catwoman, to prison. A decade later, Gotham has grown up. It's put away costumed heroism and villainy as childish things. The new Gotham is cleaner, safer and a lot less free under the watchful eye of Mayor Harvey Dent and his bat cops. It's to this new city that Selina Kyle returns a changed woman with her mind on one last big score, the secrets hidden inside the bat cave. She doesn't need money. She just needs to know who is Orpheus. Visionary creator Cliff Chang, you know him from Wonder Woman and Paper Girls, writes, draws, colors, and letters the story of a world without Batman, where one woman's wounds threaten to tear apart an entire city. It's an unmissable artistic statement that will change the way you see Gotham's heroes and villains forever. And it collects Catwoman Lonely City one through four. Look, if you slept on Catwoman Lonely City, now is your chance. That book is incredible. Yeah, we screamed about it That miniseries is phenomenal. I have a feeling this ends up on uh, our awards list this year. Yes, and Cliff Jank... Cliff Chang has been doing the work of his career on that four issue miniseries and like writes, draws, colors, and letters. Like he is a renaissance man. Catwoman Lonely City, trade of the week without question. Pick it up. Be sure to let us know if our picks tickled your tutor over on our new Mastodon setup <laughs> and over at our Discord in the new comics channel. And don't forget, tell us what you're reading. Huh? We want to hear from you guys. What do you guys read next week? And just to be clear to anybody that doesn't realize, we don't have a Mastodon account. We can sell it up. Not yet, that. anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Before we get out of here, it's time for a sneak peek of our THN Extra. When you support THN on Patreon for as little as $1 per month, 
you get access to all kinds of extra content, just like this. Not too long ago, the Cosmic Longbox sat us down and told us we were going to have a new roommate in the Ziggurat. Just as it happens to our favorite comic characters, the Cosmic Longbox has a long-lost relative that also fell to Earth, the Cosmic Shortbox! I don't know about this lore. (laughs) Just like its big sibling, the Cosmic Shortbox demands we examine back issues, but typically... These are limited series, one-shots, or maybe we're just catching up on a series we reviewed recently. Since the new Batman Spawn hit stands this week, and I'm putting new in quotes because I have theories there, we'll be taking a look at the Batman and Spawn crossovers of the 90s to examine their history and try to decide who did it better. It's not going to be easy. Image or DC? (laughs) Joe, (laughs) Why don't we start with some history? How and why did the Dark Knight end up meeting the meat-faced vagrant Spawn in the first place? I refuse to call him the Hell Spawn because there's nothing scary about him. Sorry, all he does is cry. I mean, he's just, but he's from Hell. I mean, it's not really a, it's not really a value judgment. It's just a descriptor. <laughs> Uh, There's not really a lot of why here, but I can tell you that DC and Image teamed for two intercompany crossovers in the bygone era of 1994. Spawn Batman by Frank Miller and Todd McFarlane and Batman Spawn colon War Devil by Doug Mensch, Chuck Dixon and Klaus Janssen. Spawn Batman, obviously with Todd's involvement, published by Image, Batman Spawn published by DC. Both books play fast and loose with continuity, as all intercompany crossovers do, but Miller took it even farther by putting a disclaimer at the beginning of the image issue, linking it to his own Dark Knight Returns saga. Uh, That is true facts. Yep. A third meeting between the two characters, which was going to be titled Spawn, Batman, colon, Inner Demons, pitting Batman and Spawn against the Joker and the Clown, was planned, but mercifully never made. Both issues were reprinted earlier this year in the Batman Spawn colon The Complete Collection trade paperback. Not complete anymore, is it? Huh? No, I bet they (laughs) wish they'd held off. All you had to do was shut up. So let's get into it, Joe. Now, the first one, Spawn Batman, was from Image Comics. It came out in April of 1994, so we're going to start there. This was written by Frank Miller, as you mentioned, with art by Todd McFarlane, who was not drawing Spawn at the time. Still he drawing. drew like the first 16 issues, so that could have taken two years. I'll buy that. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your solicit. Batman comes to New York City in his search for an arsenal of high-tech weapons and robots that use decapitated human heads as their brains. Thank you, Frank Miller. Antagonistic, confrontational, and suspicious of each other, Spawn and Batman engage in violent battles before realizing they're both after the same villain. Grudgingly, they decide to work together. The person they seek has been kidnapping and decapitating the homeless for use in robots. But that's only part of the plan. There's also a nuclear arsenal ready to be deployed. Uh, Uh, She's, uh, it's a very like... Rachel Ghoul kind of plan because sort of. she's trying to cleanse the earth so that humanity can start over or something. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, so when this came out, 1994, yeah. Frank Miller, Todd McFarlane, like, this is a comic book that we should have thrown our X-Men comics onto a bonfire and dove through to get to, right? <laughs> like, this, this should be I mean, absolutely amazing. But with that said, there's so much that I remember about this. Like I remember picking it up back in the day and going, all right, here we go. And then putting it down and went, huh? <laughs> like, and I was into spawn and I still very much was defending Frank Miller. Like this was sin city, Frank Miller time when he was still putting out like some incredible comics. This is before we got to a point where we're like, what happened to, Frank? yeah. In fact, it says in the, uh, in the back, there's like a credits, like, little paragraph right like like they do in fancy books where it's like about the author right right and frank miller it mentions that frank miller is working at this time he's working on a dame to kill for yeah so which one of my favorite sin city stories it's incredible (laughs) that is it for thn 689 next week we have a very sad but sweet 
Cosmic Longbox special when we finish our death of Superman and celebrate a funeral for a friend that lasts. Oh, Matt, it's not finished entirely it's too part, long. <laughs> it's part two of part three. Oh it's part two of three, baby. It's a trilogy. Good Lord. I do have good news, though. Cover to Cover is back this weekend. So hit us up on our live call-in show. We do it Saturdays at 1030 Central. You can check out our Discord for details. Joe Patrick. One thing we give them to talk about, the question of the week, and this one's been around for like a month now. I know. <laughs> so. And I swear we're doing it. This question is courtesy of Brian Domingos. We're talking about rebrands. Remember when Thunderbolts changed from a team of reformed villains into a fight club? Sure you do. What is a comic book rebrand that you love or wish you could forget? All right. Please keep your question of the week suggestions coming. If you can't make it a cover to cover to live, shoot an MP3 to two at nerd at gmail.com or leave a message on the THN hotline. The number is 402-819-4894, but keep it to two minutes or less, please. If you're new to the show and you prefer your spawn with a shoelace in his face, I assure you it's only because you haven't heard enough. The good news is you can hear the entire run of THN in our digital long box archive at twoheadednerd.com. THN is a listener-supported podcast, and it would not be possible without the generosity of donors like superstar artist Tim Mayer. That guy's still alive? I didn't even know. Still alive. Still I'm- donating. If you like what you hear every week, it's easy to be cool like Tim and support the show. You can sign up to be a patron at patreon.com backslash two-headed nerd. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to friend of the show, Michael Severe, who went under the knife today to get a bionic knee installed. He's more machine than man now. (laughs) Word to you, buddy. Hope you're back on your feet soon. Why did you have to do it like that? (laughs) Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer might just tell you he killed your pull file when in reality... It's still around. He is, <laughs> this, he is your pull file. Yeah. <laughs> this is the two-headed nerd signing off. <laughs> no, I am your pull file. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>